Welcome back to another Impactful Night of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 190. I'm your host, ID34, Isaiah Room 3rd. Tonight's panelists are Nina Taylor and Adriana Flattis. Adriana, please say hello to the people. Hola. Hello, everyone. Stupendous, stupendous. And the lovely Miss Nina Taylor, please say hello again to the people. Hello, everyone. So glad to be back. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, tonight's topic is, I think it's a good one, and that is student engagement challenges. What are learning skills? The 21st century learning skills are called the four C's. Critical thinking, one. Critical thinking, creative thinking, two. Communicating, three. And collaborating. These skills help students learn, which is vital to success in school and beyond. But you can only enjoy all these benefits if your students are motivated and engaged in learning. Let me pause right there. If your students are motivated and engaged in learning, I want to open up the panel real quick and I want to hear your thoughts. Whoever wants to go first can. How crucial are our parents and our and our family members to a student's motivation to be engaged and learn. The panel's open. The panel's open wants to take that first. The parent, uh, this is um, Adriana. Um, parents are very um, important in, in the role that they play in a child's uh, creativity because uh, learning starts at home. So from the time the child is um, an infant to the time that they're ready to go to school, there's a lot of things the parents can do to engage their students and everyday life experiences. Um, critical thinking comes from asking them specific questions about why things are done and giving them specific or simple answers at the age level that's appropriate for them to understand and comprehend. Engaging kids and just learning about um, their friends, learning why people feel certain ways um, to help them reflect upon why they made the choices that they make. So engagement isn't necessarily about learning from a textbook or creating a center for them to work on with, uh, with their peers. It really starts with the way that they engage within their family unit and how they engage with people when they're out in the community. So they are very imperative in this, in this um, uh, establishing the, the desire to want to engage in learning once they're ready for that. Oh, great response, Adriana. Adriana, great response. Who, who's next? Well, it's Nina. Motivation is the uh, state of mind that the kids should be in. Um, if we have their complete attention, as well as um, keeping them motivated, um, it's going to affect not only their learning, but also their behavior. Now, one of the things I had uh, talk with each parent uh, during our, I'm a first grade teacher, <laughs> during our initial um, meetings in the beginning of the school year is that we are in this together. Are you willing to be a team with us as their educators and you as the parent, we got to be a team. And together, I think the only way that any of the children are going to be successful is if we work as a team. Are you willing to be on a team with us to help your child succeed? 
and you can tell which one took me absolutely serious. You know, they're engaging with me daily. How's he doing? How's she doing? Um, we have a thing called Class Dojo that we communicate back and forth. I'm constantly sending out pictures. I'm taking pictures of grades, uh, different activities that we're doing. So the parents are very, very much involved. And, you, and we'll all see by the end of the uh, semester that the ones who were the most engaged with their child's education, they're going to do a lot better in the long run. Oh, that's a great response. Great response. What, what can districts do to help their understanding, to help that connection? And, and are, is, there a, is there a misconnection? Is there a misunderstanding when it comes to parents knowing you know, when their children are doing good in school besides a report card or besides a progress report? Because does a progress report really let that parent know if they're aligned to the standards that's going to be on the test? The panel's open. What's your thoughts? Um, no, it absolutely doesn't. And just like I just said, the ones who are the most involved. Now, my particular homework, for example, my first graders need help with their homework. There's no way they're going to be able to do it. They have to have someone to actually read everything to them because I know it's above their reading level when I get home. And this is how I know. This is how I know that somebody is helping them. You know, um, I send home the, you know, the instructions. Read this to your child. Let him answer the questions. Let her answer the questions. And this is how I know. And again, like I said, the ones who are the most involved, the children are 10 times more likely to be successful because they're showing their child that they're interested in their education, which is going to make the child more interested in their education and everything else. You know, some of them, you know, I was warned, oh, we had problems with him last year. Yeah, I'm especially trying to keep in very close contact with the parents so that together we can figure out why these things are happening. Now, I haven't had any problems with anybody, but um, I made sure I made those connections so that we can stop any of that foolishness from going on this particular school year. So you'll see from engaging more with the parents, making them involved, keeping them informed of anything and everything that we're doing, that is uh, almost a guarantee that that child's going to have a successful school year. Nina, that was a great response. Adriana, what's your thoughts? Yes, I'd like to add to that because those were very good points is that um, there are parents based on their community or their um, own educational background or cultural differences, um, starting with culture. Culturally, there are some um, communities that feel that the expertise lies in the school and with the with the teacher. And so they're reluctant to get involved because they do not feel that they're competent enough or they have the educational background or the educational, um, um, educational, um, um, uh, I guess, schooling in general to be able to support their kids. So it's very important for the teacher and the school district and special needs programs, uh, anyone that collaborates with the parents to explain to them why it's important for them to get involved, how it impacts the child as a whole, um, and also to give them tips and share tips with them to help students with literacy, to help them understand why it's important for them to sit down and read every night, perhaps giving them some comprehension questions that they can ask their students when they're finished reading a book 
Um, the tools that the parents need are all resources that the teachers readily have available that they quite understand themselves, but the parents would really benefit from knowing how they can support the students. And so I think giving them those resources and the languages that they speak is important. Also, I would say um, academically, the students learn academic language at school. So the more the parents can um, encourage the students to respond in complete sentences, um, to pinpoint vocabulary words aside from everyday conversations, maybe uh, science terms, um, giving them words that they can use to signal specific words around the home to enrich their vocabulary. Not only are you also providing an educational opportunity outside of the school, but you're also giving them a common ground for them to collaborate with their students. A lot of times the students are working um, using their own devices or they're working um, and or sometimes they're not working. Maybe they're just playing games, but this will give them an opportunity to connect with their child and by giving them the resources to be able to do so, then it could also strengthen the relationships that they have with their children. And as um, our previous speaker shared, helping them um, motivate and encourage the students, but then also help with that relationship that they um, that they so desire to have with their own kids. Oh, that was perfect. That was perfect, Adriana. You know, as you were think, as you guys were talking, I, I was thinking about connection. That word, connection. Are, are our school districts connected? I know some of them are. Our, our schools must catch up, though, especially in those low socioeconomic areas. And we must be aware that disengagement has become the norm. And I, I want to pull that word out, connection. Connecting learning to the real world. Engaging our, our students with their interests. Like what, what's caring? And tying and connecting that, that knowledge to the knowledge that we need to teach them so that they can be successful learners, critical thinkers, creative thinkers, communicators, collaborators. So, is the education system in America, are we clarifying the core tasks? And what do I mean by that, clarifying the core tasks? Are we choosing the appropriate instructions to connect the learning experience for our young scholars? The panel is open. What's your thoughts? The connection that you referenced um, at home with the kids and, and learning what really um, motivates students, but also the things that interest the students, all of that information is very valuable for the teacher to know. The, the parent knows the child from birth, or if it's a guardian, they've, have, they've had time um, to learn what the students uh, love, love the most. That information can be shared with the, with the students during parent-teacher conferences. Um, if they don't have to necessarily wait a long period of time to get to know their students, um, they can get a jump on that by having conversations with the parents. And I know at the beginning of the school year, a lot of principals encourage teachers or require teachers to reach out to parents and, and make those phone calls so that they can establish that connection and that relationship before they make the first negative call home as a way to um, to establish that relationship with them. So I think that would be a great opportunity for the teachers to get to know their kids as well. Um, the students struggle to make a connection with what 
we are teaching them because it needs to be relevant. But if the teacher is, has a very teacher-centered uh, classroom environment where it's not welcoming, where they don't explain and provide structure for the students, where they're all about teaching for the, to the test or just teaching the core content without explaining to the students how it applies in the real world, how they're going to use it when they leave school that day, um, how they can see examples of what they're learning out in the real world, um, would make it difficult for the student to really be motivated because then they're not seeing it as something relevant. So um, encouraging the students um, to have that open dialogue with the students, um, with each other, having the teacher monitor the conversations because even if the child is not comfortable having a conversation with the teacher yet, by monitoring the classroom, hearing the conversations among students, and also having those conversations with parents, they may um, learn a lot more about the individual students aside from just having a beginning-of-the-year survey uh, to get to know their learning styles. There's so many different opportunities for them to, to really engage and, and get that knowledge. Uh, clear milestones so that we can set clear learning goals and then we can go and monitor the progress. Uh, Ariana Fletters, please tell us a little bit about yourself <laughs> and what you've been doing currently. Wonderful. So a little bit about myself. I'm in my 24th year of teaching. Um, my background is in secondary teaching as a classroom instructor. However, as a school administrator and district administrator, I've also had the opportunity to work K-12. So most of my um, career more than half now have been outside of the classroom working as an instructional coach working as a professional development facilitator working as a mentor um, supporting administrators deans of instruction assistant principals instructional coaches teachers both experienced as well as veteran teachers as um, in addition to international teachers that come and work uh, for our district here in the United States and local teachers. Um, I have a specialized field in curriculum instruction and assessment, as well as second language acquisition and working with uh, students of poverty, as well as students um, who are learning English as emergent bilinguals here in the state of Texas. Um, I've had the opportunity to work in um, and present at different conferences and also work with various organizations, both locally and internationally as well. And so um, with, the, it, with the various people that I've learned and all the access that I've had to uh, world-renowned uh, researchers and individuals who have created their own models, who have really had a positive impact, I've been able to create my own methods of, of coaching and working with campus administrators as well as classroom teachers. And so... Um, I do want to talk a little bit about those, uh, the way that a teacher is the role model and the various ways that a teacher serves as a role model and facilitates um, those experiences for the students. Um, I often tell the teachers um, that I'm working with that they are the primary source as the role model in the classroom, but they are not the only source. Um, the teaching because it is an art of teaching. The art of teaching over time has changed from where the, it was a teacher-centered classroom environment, the students sat, they got information from the teacher, and then they did completed independent work. 
Now it's uh, more of a student-centered learning environment where the students are working with their teachers, working with their peers, um, and utilizing um, resources such as videos and text, um, audio, um, various relia to be able to acquire learning um, through those uh, resources in order for them to apply critical thinking skills and create their own, their own response which is the highest level of thinking when you're able to take level one knowledge and do a comparison, when you're able to synthesize information and create something based on all of the fundamental skills that you have acquired, either from the teacher, their peers, uh, from the print-rich environment in which they're learning, and the resources as well. Um, I also think about the conversations that we were having earlier about motivating students. Um, these uh, four C's not only allow students to collaborate with their peers and collaborate with the teachers, but you also have to think about the fundamental skills, those life skills that the teacher is modeling for the students by helping them develop character traits that are lifelong skills that will help them be more productive citizens and more successful individually, both professionally and personally as well. For example, grit, um, helping them, um, um, you know, put other students before themselves, learning how to be responsible, how to be on time, learning them um, study skills or helping them with their study skills, um, ma time management skills. So the teacher even models time management when they're working with their, with their group so that they can manage the workflow that they have been assigned and still reach the, the goal that the teacher has set for them. I think about how much reflection um, in successful individuals um, do on a day-to-day -day basis just to see how it is that they are, um, how they are progressing in the goals that they have set for themselves. So the, t the students are really dependent on the teacher to create those meaningful opportunities for them to not just learn about the content and the academics that the states and the United States have uh, set forth for us, but also those universal life skills that will help them be successful. And without putting those in place, then our students really are tech, uh, excuse me, tech uh, savvy or they're textbook smart, but they don't have those life skills that they need to overcome obstacles in life, how to collaborate with others, how to communicate effectively, not only in social um, settings, but more so in academic settings, and uh, in helping the students develop um, develop um, the desire to learn more and to feel confident. When you feel confident, you know that you're going to be able to grow them that go that extra mile. You're going to withstand the test of time and whatever obstacles come your way. And so it is um, imperative that the teachers understand that they're not just teaching the content, they're really helping the students develop as a whole person so that they can be productive citizens. Ooh, we, that was hot off the press. I'm gonna tell you now. That was hot off the press. You you just heard from uh, Andrea Flettis, and I'm telling you, she is world-renowned. She is a, um, a professor. She is a adjunct professor. She is also a consultant, educational consultant, and she wears so many so many hats. And we're so grateful 
and and just we are just humbled to have you here with us tonight on the podcast. Listen, you know, you drove me to popping up in one of my books <laughs> to read an excerpt because you know what you said to me pointed to hooks. You know, having those hooks, having those powerful hooks in the classroom are, are so important for student engagement, are so important for that higher order thinking that, that you so illustrously talked about just a moment ago. Let me just read this excerpt about hooks. This is this book is uh, Understanding uh, by Design by Grant Wiggins and Jay um, Matisse. I'm sure you, you guys know this book very well, but it says here, what are powerful thought-provoking hooks for engaging all students in the big idea and performance challenges? And what experiences, problems, oddities, issues, and situations can I immerse students to make the big idea immediately interesting, concrete, and of clear importance? What approaches to this material will generate interest in inquisitiveness into the topic and work at hand? And what kinds of opportunities will sustain the interest of learners. I want to stop right there. Activities to sustain the interests of learners. You know, tonight we got Dina Taylor and we have Adriana Fletches. Now, Nina is Nina is, is a radio and television talk show host. And I, I just want to go back to Nina real quick. Nina, what you got going on currently? Um, well, uh, we're preparing to head to Atlanta for the Spin Awards, which is the Gospel Announcers, um, uh, radio, national radio, well, they're basically international radio awards, which I've, uh, been a winner for the last, uh, two years, um, been nominated since 2018. Um, yeah, I have two full-time jobs. Um, my area and school basically is I started off with just early childhood. I actually work with, um, you know, the uh, pre-K agers for, for several years and then moving on to kindergarten for seven years and um, now first grade for the last two years. So primarily I'm early childhood in the early stages of their development and their school life. So that's what I do by day. I do radio and TV by night. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> no, it is, it is a lot. It is a lot. And we thank you uh, for taking time out, as mm-hmm. you always do, from your busy schedule. And 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 I'm gonna tell you, Nina's schedule is tighter than the back of my neck. Okay, and I, my <laughs> neck is pretty tight. Nina, let me ask you a question. As as it relates to. Uh-huh. And I want you to think from a mental perspective. I think scientists call it a mm-hmm. psychosocial pr- perspective. How does motivation, mm-hmm. and you've seen it with your kids, but what does motivation do to a child to influence their learning, to, to in- influence their excitement, to, to make them want to be hands-on? What does motivation do? And not only for 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 kids, not only for for babies, young people, but we're talking about adult students as well. What is motivation? The motivation to win. What does that do to the mindset of someone? 
I try to create a lot of ways to motivate them. One way is by competition. Um, we do a thing called uh, Star Student of the Day. Each Star Student of the Day gets stars and different prizes. And then we have a Star Student of the Week who gets more prizes and more, you know, more awards for being the Star Student of the Week. And in addition to that, I created a, uh, a bulletin board outside my room. And it has like a big frame and I have stars all around it. And the star student of the week gets their picture there. And they just like, wow, that's like everything to a, a six-year-old, to a seven-year-old. That's everything that they are the star student of the week. So those are the kind of things that we use, um, uh, you know, with the, with the younger kids that they, they seem to like. So everybody wants to be the star student. Everybody wants to get those prizes. Everybody wants to, you know, to work hard for that. You know, back in my day, we didn't, we never had stuff like that. It was like, I want to do good so my mom doesn't kill me. And that was, that was, that was a motivation enough to do uh, the right thing. I spent the very first week of school going over what we call at our school the three R's rules, responsibility, and what was the other one? Rule, you know, it was three R's of, what is expected respect yeah it was rules respect and responsibility and that's all we went over for like the first few days of school what are the school rules what are your responsibilities as a student what is respect and that's what we drumming that in their head so they use that as the foundation of everything that they do you know you have to do all your work else no recess you have to do this or you won't get a star for the day. And just small things like a star on my chest, that means everything at that age. So those are the kind of things that we use to motivate. Not And not only that, I send all grades home. I take pictures of grades and I send them home. Uh, we use something called Class Dojo, which the parents, like I said, they, it's, it's basically texting back and forth. And not only do they see it, but everybody who is on that app also sees it too. See, so you, so, you said the three R's. At oh. that age, yeah. That, you know, I'm going to add a fourth R in there. <laughs> because you said, yeah, you said recess. You said recess. That's the fourth R. If you, uh, yeah. if you respect people, <laughs> if you're responsible, yeah. if you obey the rules, <laughs> you get to go to recess. Yes. Yes, and, and trust me, my kids have only been out once. And school's been in almost a month. Wow. And that's not only... <laughs> oh, the rules must be obeyed. I'm, <laughs> I said I'm very, very, uh, very much, and I let the parents know, um, if they don't have any discipline at home, they're definitely going to get plenty here. Don't worry about that. Um, but that's that's the way it's got to be. Um, I've taken kids who literally came in knowing nothing. By the end of the year, they were right where they needed to be, and that's I guess that's what our job is. If they don't know anything, to make sure that they do by the end of the school year, so they can go forward. Well, Nina, if I hadn't told you lately, I'm gonna tell you now. Uh, we thank you for your service and everything that you do. Um, we do. We really do. <laughs> you. <welcome. laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm coming toward uh, Adriana, Adriana Fletters. I'm coming, I'm coming down your lane. I'm coming down your lane because okay. because I heard you say say some things that were so uh, apropos for this discussion on tonight. I mean, you both did, 
but I want to I want to address something really quick because Nina talked about the three R's, but I'm gonna ask you about another three R because <clears throat> there's a lot of acronyms. But the three R I'm gonna ask you about is the reflection, the revision or, or the revising, and then the rethinking, right? And I think about people like Carol Dweck, who has the growth mindsets, fixed mindsets, where growth mindsets is like a tree. It keeps growing higher and higher and higher. But fixed mindset is kind of like a bush. It only goes so high. And it's fixed on just that level. Fixed mindset. And so with those three R's I just mentioned, reflect, rethink, revise, Students' mindset is, I believe, connected to their belief system. Please explain why role modeling is essential to students' not only engagement, but the way they think. How is role modeling connected to how students think about themselves, their environment, and you can provide background with your thoughts. Well, the first thing I want to think about is the mindset that the child, excuse me, that the that the teacher has or the school may have on that about that specific student. Um, the mindset of a child and how confident they feel about themselves stems from their home life, and it stems from their school life. So if the mindset of those around the student is a positive mindset and a positive demeanor about them, if they're building them up for success and speaking words of encouragement and um, letting the child know how loved they are, how, uh, how much they're capable of, of accomplishing a goal, of learning, then the child is more likely to to have a positive mindset about themselves, which is that intrinsic motivation and the courage to want to take risks in the classrooms, to want to maybe take risks in life that maybe people around them, either at home or at school, have not been willing to do themselves. And so to reach a child and to get them to want to reflect, to want to get them to revise, and to get them to want to rethink, it first starts off by changing the mind and changing the heart of the student with the possibility that they can even achieve those things. <clears throat> I alluded earlier to to student goal setting. And, um, and I know we spoke earlier about um, a collab collaborating with the parents as well with, um, with the uh, relationships and, and helping the parents understand the role that they play. When the students are able to set goals for themselves and the teacher is helping them um, through modeling, um, understand what they are supposed to learn at the beginning of a unit and laying out the expectation and the purpose for what they are about to learn and having the students progress monitor their own learning and having a certain level of accountability then I think that's a very powerful tool it's not something that just happens at the end 
of uh, of a unit. It's not the end of even as an adult. If you decide at the beginning of the of the year that you want to exercise more, you don't just reflect or should not just reflect at the end on December twenty first or thirty first rather whether you achieve that goal or not. It's something you have to measure along the way so that you can revise and you can rethink and make adjustments along the way and that you don't feel like you are a complete failure on December 31st or you're not a complete failure, right? When the test scores come along, it should never be a surprise to anyone who does not meet that, that weight goal or for a student to 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 reach the end of the unit, whether they have been set up for success and they have really been meeting those measures along the way in order to be successful. So the feedback that the teacher provides or the athletic trainer provides to the person who's working out in the gym to reach those weight goals is very, very important as a means of uh, readjusting or as you share, revising and rethinking the plan. And, uh, and building confidence in the person, setting small milestones along the way so it doesn't seem like it's an overwhelming task to learn all the teeks that you have for social studies, for example. For example, I know that social studies has a lot of teeks, and so if you wait until the very end of the unit to determine that a child hasn't met those teeks, then you are setting the child and, and, and you as a teacher uh, up for failure by not having those uh, points in place along the way. Wow. Wow. You did it again. The the thing that came the thing that came to me when you when you were speaking was one word and that word is timing. Timing is everything. The secret to success in teaching is timing, is pacing. Getting your knowledge quickly and then using it. If you can use it, you can Retain it When it comes to timing And the, the panel is open again What comes to your mind panelists When you hear that word Timing is everything Who wants to go first I think it goes back to What I said earlier about uh, Meeting Each individual student At the beginning Or the center of their needs um, If they're more advanced Um you know, you treat them as such. Um, we have what we call at our school a series of tests they call scrimmages every two weeks. Personally, I don't think that a kindergarten or a first grader is ready for that level of testing, but this is what they do at this school. Um, this is my second year at this school. And they just started having kindergarten, first grade do it. So after we did the first one, which was last week, I could definitely see that we're not ready for this. You know, they're not ready for this, this type of test uh, in first grade. And that's why we were having conversations, even over the weekend with some of my other coworkers saying, well, we need to, to meet with whoever we need to meet with to tell them that we don't think this is going to work for the younger grade. Second grade, yeah, they should be getting ready because they're going into, you know, third grade and they should get ready because that's when it gets real. For real, you know, when you start state testing and everything in third grade. But we're thinking that the timing on this particular thing for 
this age level is is way off. You know, so I think everything has to be done in the appropriate time. Uh, testing a a six and seven year old on these types of written tests is is out of order. I think um, so. Uh, we have to have those conversations, and I'm sure they probably went home crying and complaining about uh, the test and blaming it all on me to the parents. So now I'm going to have to explain, you know, what, what was happening with those tests in our particular situation. So when you say in timing, I think that it has to be done. Uh, everything has to be done at the right time for it to be successful. Oh, that's good. That's good. Adriana, what's, what's your thoughts? Um, I, I would definitely piggyback off of that. Um, if things are, if timing of certain assessments, um, whether it's by grade or the timing of the school year, or even the the age um, grade or the age band of the students is not appropriate, then it could be detrimental to the child. It can be traumatic too. Um, if every every measure is showing them that they're not feeling confident, they're not prepared yet. And it's not because they're not prepared, they're just not prepared yet. And so uh, while, <clears throat> while it may be something appropriate for, for an older student, for a younger student, you may have to um, reevaluate that, or as you said, reflect, revise, and rethink that plan to make sure that it's really meeting the desired needs and uh, of the goal or the purpose of the goal, because you can't always make blanket decisions for K-12 that are appropriate across all grade bands. You have to really take it based on, on what that what that particular goal is. I also think about time just being such, it's something you can't buy back. We all know that. And so the time that the teachers spend in the classroom is so valuable. Um, the transition times that the teachers um, spend, if you spend too much time on the warm-up, you're not going to get enough time to be able to get to the collaboration part. If you spend too much time on the collaboration, you're not going to be able to get to the reflection part. Um, if you give students an open, open days to work on a project, but you haven't put time uh, or invested time to monitor how the students are progressing along the way, then you're not going to potentially get the, the desired results that you're looking for because you're not giving the time or putting forth the time to on things that are valuable. So time spent on planning for teachers is important. Time spent in the classroom on monitoring. Time is so important because we cannot wait until the students are not successful on state testing or on that middle of the year benchmark to determine that, you know, intensive interventions have to be utilized to get the students caught up. Um, if we don't take advantage of those early grades to get the students uh, reading at the level that they need to, to be successful on, on state testing in third grade, um, if there's a lot of fluff and low rigor, which obviously is not happening uh, with my, with my partner here, in her classroom, there's a lot of rigor. There's a high level of expectation. She's doing everything with a lot of intention, a lot of uh, purpose. In her class, her students are being monitored. They're reflecting. She is truly engaged with the parents. She's doing everything by design. When those things do not happen and time escapes you as a teacher, then it's not just you who's hanging um, 
who's hanging out there is your students too. And that is probably one of the worst things that we can do is to make the students feel that they are not equipped, that they are not capable of reading uh, at the level that we expect them to, not because they can't, but because as an educator, we didn't do our part to prepare them adequately and we didn't put forth the time to put everything in place to get our students where they need to be. So um, the mindset of the teacher, the mindset of the administration is so important to the mindset that we are establishing for our kids and that mindset that they develop in school is the mindset that they carry forth for the rest of their life. And we have a lot of Einsteins that are unfortunately working in beneath their level of, of potential because the mindset of those around them when they were growing up and those that they were um, educated by was not where it needed to be. And at the end, we fail those individual students and we fail people. Wow. Let's, I wish we can keep going on this, but we're out of time. What were the takeaways for the night? Who wants to go first? Oh, my takeaway is, yeah, that I never have, it seems like you never have enough time in the day to get everything done. Uh, like I said, we were talking over the phone over the holiday weekend. Um, I brought my computer home and we were going back and forth about this and that because you really don't, you know, between uh, having to uh, do so many things throughout a eight hour work day, not to mention they have other classes at our school. You know, I have them for two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. That's it. And in those time, I have to get in uh, English, math, science and social studies in all of those four hours. And then it's time for them to go home. So you have to have a great schedule and you have to, you know, I've got to get everything in too. We've got to get everything in every day. So timing is very, very important. Um, and having to go back and do this over with this one, this over with that one. Um, yeah, we were talking about that too. We need help. We need, <laughs> we need some help. I don't always have time. I don't have time to sit down and do an individual reading group with two or three kids at a time while, you know, you can do it sometimes, but you don't always have time to do that. Um, so a little bit of help would be good. You know, this is things that we're seeing as a lot of people at my school knew um, that we need, you know, to, to, to be able to be successful. It's, we need a lot of things and we're figuring it out as we go along. We're into almost a month of school. Yeah, it'll be a month of school this week. And there's still some things that need to be figured out, which we want to get them done in a hurry. Like she said, at the end of uh, December, you know, where are you? And why aren't you there where you need to be? That's, that's what we want to avoid, not having everything done in the appropriate time. But that's my, my uh, takeaway from this is having appropriate time to get everything done uh, in a timely manner. I would sum it up with it takes a village. It is an overwhelming task to get our students caught up after COVID and the students were already behind in certain, with certain pop, uh, sub-pops and in certain communities. So as a village and a true partnership between the parents, the administration and educators and the community as a whole, 
the more that we can empower everyone with the role that they play and helping them understand that they they matter. They matter in what we are wanting to accomplish as educators um, and that it is going to have a negative implication on our society if we cannot get our students where they need to be, not just for state testing, but as a society as a whole. And so people need to look at the bigger picture. And, you know, here lately I've, I've heard a lot about keeping it simple. There are a lot of things that have just really gotten out of hand. And if we couldn't go back to the basics, I think the going back to the basics and the fundamental components of learning and what we want our students to accomplish in a school day is very, very important. And keeping things simple for the teachers is equally important because there's only so much time in the day to work with students and, uh, and meet all their individual goals. So coming together as a village, while it seems like pie in the sky thinking, it truly is what we need we need to uh, to do in order to accomplish these overwhelming tasks that we we uh, we see and we are experiencing at this time. Listen, this was another epic tonight. I did back to education leadership. Tonight's guests were the lovely Miss Dina Taylor and the incomparable Adriana Fletus. Good night. Impact of educational leadership podcast. Facebook.